Hello, and welcome back to episode 15. This episode is going to talk about Emma's connection with her siblings um, and how she made the connection with them. And I'm going to talk a little bit about something else first prior to um, finding her sister. I spoke in the last episode of her finding her brother, and this time I'm going to talk about her finding her sister. But first I want to talk a little bit about something that happened when Emma went to Germany. Um, There were some things that transpired um, in conversations that she had with her bio mom, um, and uh, things that she remembered um, or could relate to herself once her mom started telling her these these things. Um, one of the things that she told Emma was when Emma was a little girl, um, Emma used to like to run away. Um, she used to pretend to run away, basically. And uh, she told Emma this cute story about one day Emma was mad at Christine and told Christine she was going to run away. Christine told her that it was that was going to cost money, that it wasn't going to be cheap to run away, um, that she would need money. So Emma proceeded to go to her bedroom and pack her little suitcase with all her dolls in it, and she sat down on the top of it to close it with some stuffed dolls, arms and legs still hanging out of the suitcase. And she came out to the, or the kitchen right before she exited the house and um, came out into the kitchen and asked Christine for $5. So Christine gave her $5. Christine said that Emma went outside and put the suitcase down in the front yard and sat on the edge of it with her head in her hands for about five minutes and came back in and Christine said to Emma, you're back so quickly. Uh, And why? And Emma responded by saying, well, you can't go very far on $5. And so she gave the money back to Christine and went and unpacked her suitcase. There was another time, um, I guess Emma was upset with Christine and told Christine that she was going to run away, but it was four o'clock in the morning, 3.34 a.m. She woke Christine up and said she was going to run away, and Christine, you know, being half asleep, uh, not really paying much attention, just told Emma to go back to bed. But when Emma got up that morning, or excuse me, when Christine got up that morning, um, she couldn't find Emma anywhere in the house. She searched closets, everything. She couldn't find Emma anywhere in the house. So she started walking through the neighborhood calling out for Emma, and Emma didn't respond. So after walking about a block away, she walked back home and contacted the police. The police came, and the police started searching the neighborhood for little Emma. Emma must have been about four or five at the time. And... Um, probably about five. And where they found Emma was shocking. 
Um, Emma was about five houses down from where she lived, and she was in the backyard of another house in the doghouse with the dog and five brand new puppies who had just been born, and she was in there sleeping with the dog and the puppies. Um, when the police found her, um, they automatically took her back home, um, and Emma was told at that point she was never going to run away again. Um, and so this was something that, um, Christine had brought up to her. And also, you know, Emma had always had trouble a lot of times at night falling asleep and difficulty falling asleep. And one remedy that she used to use as she's growing up through her 20s and into her 30s, um, she would make herself a cup of warm milk at night before bed and put some honey in it. And um, it would help and work as a sedative for her to help her get some sleep. In fact, Emma still does that today on occasion. But uh, Christina told her when she was a baby that when she wouldn't go to sleep at night and she would act colicky, that she would give her a bottle of warm milk and honey and it would make her go to sleep. And so it was kind of an eye-opener to Emma that no wonder she liked the warm milk and honey. It was something that was given to her as a child. Um, you know, with all the stories that, um, she was told, um, from Christine, she got a better idea of who she was as a child and a better sense of identity. Um, when she met her bio father, Carl, Carl Vogel, uh, which in German means bird, um, she met him and he filled her in on the family history of himself and his mother, her paternal or her maternal grandmother. Um, and he suffered from heart disease. He had a triple bypass surgery when he was like 57. Emma's, uh, paternal grandmother, um, was 58 when she had two heart attacks in the same day and the second one killed her. So that was good for Emma to know that, that heart disease ran on her dad's side of the family. Diabetes ran on the mother's side of the family. And her maternal grandmother um, actually passed away from complications of diabetes mellitus. So um, given that, um, Emma got a clear medical history of her bio father and bio mother's um, medical backgrounds as far as the grandparents are concerned. Um, and so that was very useful and helpful information. Again, you know, Emma only spent a few hours with her father. And so she didn't have a lot of time to spend with him, but wrote him letters through the years. And so when Emma came back to, um, you know, the States after leaving, um, I had talked about in the footnotes how, um, you know, she had, Emma had bought Christine a gift for her birthday because she wasn't going to be there for that. And how Christine had, um, wrote her a letter and told her that, um, 
you know, she had to return it or she returned or she sold the gift and sold, sold it for some extra money. Um, you know, continuing on when she got back, there were some letters that had been written by, um, Christine to her back and forth. They communicated via letters, sometimes phone calls. The, the time when she found her sister, um, she had hired a, what was called a confidential intermediary. It's somebody who can access public records like adoption records. They have the ability to do that and they connect with the person when they find that person. And then they find out for sure that they want to have contact with the person that's looking for them. So, um, when, Andy McDowell, who was the confidential intermediary that Emma had hired, uh, found uh, Emma's sister. You have to remember, Emma's sister was adopted at like five to eight days old, right out of the hospital. Um, And she, um, from from what Emma remembers... um, that when she had found her sister, we're going to call her Patricia. Uh, when she had found Patricia, um, Patricia had no idea that she had a sister. In fact, she had just found out the year before that she had a biological brother. Um, her adopted family kept that from her, and they told her when she was about. 27 years old on her 27th, 27th birthday that she also had a biological brother um, that she knew nothing about. Um, she had no idea um, about, about Emma at all because Emma was already adopted and in another home by the time her sister was born because she was six years younger than her. So, or, or Emma was in foster care, I should say at the time. And so, uh, Patricia was adopted from the hospital. And like I said, she was anywhere from five to eight days old. Um, and they had also that, that her adopted parents had also adopted another young woman who was Patricia's sister. And, um, she grew up with her and that was her sister. So, when Patricia was about 28 is when, um, yeah, 20, I want to say 28, um, when she found that, um, you know, she had a sister when Emma made, or when, uh, Andy McDowell made contact with her, uh, she said she would like to have contact with her sister. So, um, Andy put them in contact with each other. She initially called Patricia and talked with her mom and dad and said she was somebody that went to high school with her and wanted to reconnect. And so um, Patricia was very hesitant at reaching out. And then she called back and she was actually at her parents' home and um, actually talked to her on the phone. Um, supposedly her adopted parents didn't know anything about Emma. Um, 
they weren't aware that she had a sister. And um, Patricia's parents um, were very protective of her. She had grown up um, in a very sheltered environment um, and went to good schools and lived in good good neighborhoods, nice neighborhoods. Um, Her parents were pretty wealthy. And um, so there was a lot of... uh, issues around somebody from a biological relative or sibling from, you know, her life coming into her, into her life, um, and having to prove that. So, um, at any rate, um, Andy McDowell assured Patricia that this was in fact true and that this was, Emma was her biological sister. Um, They shared the same mom, but different dads. And her biological brother, she shared a same mom with him, but a different dad. And Patricia and Matthew shared the same father. So um, there was quite a bit of... um, conversation that was had between Patricia and Emma um, and then in the initial contact um, they talked quite a bit about each other's lives and um, you know Patricia also let Matthew know and um, or Emma actually let Matthew and Patricia both know that you know she had found their biological mom as well and kind of just left it up to them if they wanted to have contact and reach out. And um, the story goes that Matthew ended up making a trip to Germany. And he did not notify Christine that he was coming over. He made contact with the other family members, cousin Katerina and um, Uncle Peter and them, and made contact with them and decided he wanted to fly over and stay with them. So they gave him a place to stay. And during the time, after a few days of being there, he reached out to Christine because all he really wanted was closure. He wanted to spend a few hours with her, ask her some questions, see what her response was, because he had his idea of who she was and what she was about because of his father, which was Emma's stepfather. So um, he had his thoughts about everything, and he got what he needed in the few hours that he spent with Christine and decided he didn't want to have any more contact with her after that. That was his choice. Um, And that happened about, oh, six months or so after... uh, Emma had found her brother. He made the trip over there. And um, when he decided not to have contact with um, Christine any longer, Christine kind of lashed out at Emma and got angry at Emma for uh, finding her and opening up this huge uh, ball of open wounds that I guess had not healed or she had not worked on healing and um, got angry because, you know, Matthew didn't want to spend time or didn't want to talk to her or didn't want to be there with her 
And um, it was really difficult um, for Christine. And she kind of, like I said, lashed out at Emma. She would write Emma these letters and um, tell Emma how sad she was. And um, she wished that she had never found her. And, um, you know, Emma would share these letters with her friends, uh, Carrie and Anita. She, they, she would share them with her and with them. And, you know, after a while, um, Carrie and Anita noticed how it was affecting Emma. They knew that she was getting more sadder and depressed and they could see it every time she would get a letter from Christine. And when then she'd share the letter um, and read what Christine had written, they just felt like, and they, they told her, you know, she's, she's guilt tripping you every single time she writes you a letter. She's making you feel bad for finding her. She's making you feel bad for getting her in touch with, uh, you know, her son and her other daughter. Um, Patricia didn't care to meet um, Christine, but she did have several phone conversations with her and got to know her via phone conversations. And she ultimately made the decision not to meet her. Um, and again, that was Patricia's choice. Um the first time that Emma and Patricia met was probably about a year and a half after um, the initial phone call of them talking. Um, they had talked several times throughout the year, and uh, Patricia flew Emma to New Orleans, and they spent 10 days in New Orleans um, getting to know each other. Um, and that was their first trip they ever took together. Um, Emma flew into Nashville uh, where her, her, her sister lived. And then they both flew to New Orleans together to spend 10 days. Um, Emma had never been to New Orleans, so it was a new experience for her and she had a wonderful time and Patricia was showing her around and, uh, because she was very familiar with the area and really liked it there and had been there numerous times before. So they really connected on a good level um, and spent a lot of time getting to know each other and talking and doing fun things together. And um, it ended up being a great start to um, a relationship with her brother and her sister. And uh, she looked forward to what the future would bring and the things that they could do together um, and the conversations she she felt very connected to her brother, felt connected to her sister, although they never really knew each other and didn't grow up together. Her and her sister kind of lived very separate lives, but um, she was very thankful for the time that she had with her sister and um, got, getting to know her and spending time with her. Um, her Patricia's adoptive parents... Um, her mother was very protective of her. And, you know, there are a lot of times families um, are very protective when they adopt children and they don't want to allow, um, you know, the biological siblings or other biological family members to 
really have contact with them or come into their lives. Um, they feel like sometimes it's bad situations that these children come from. And so they try to, or, you know, they're trying to give them a better life. And sometimes they're just very overprotective of them and don't want them to have relationships with their biological family. So that's something to consider. Um, if you're ever looking for your biological family, there are so many options and resources out there today to try to help you find lost loved ones and, and bio family that, um, you know, it's not hard to Google something now and look it up online and be able to seek help and find help. Um, and so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop this episode now and I am going to um, talk a little bit more in the next episode about Emma's relationship with her sister, Patricia, and um, getting to know her a little bit better and getting to know her family a little bit better. Um, and then just, uh, move on from there. So, um, I will close at this point in time, you know, give yourself some grace, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. Um, if you need help, please seek it out from a community member, a friend, a family member, or like I've said before, a complete stranger. Um, you can always call 988, um, a local crisis line. Um, if you need help, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, your mental health is very, very important. Um, I know for Emma, it's been a struggle for her through the years, uh, finding herself, reconnecting with family, and finding out more about herself and understanding herself. Um, you know, one of the things I want to say uh, before I end today was one of the things that Christine told her and was very profound to Emma was that Emma, when Emma was about three, three and a half years old, her baby brother, Matthew, was crying. And Emma, she walked into the bedroom to find Emma putting a pillow over Matthew's face because she, only thing that Emma understood was that's how you can make a baby be quiet. I want you to think about why Emma at three and a half years old would know that. And I want you to try to understand what Emma's childhood was like, as I've told you so much of it. Um, but I'm going to close on that note. And again, take care of yourself. Have a great day. And looking forward to doing episode 16. Take care. Bye-bye.